Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Season 3, Episode 3, Above, Below. This is a pre-recorded message from Professor Ryan of Bunker A12. This is a public broadcast to any survivors out there. Over the last few months, I have been sharing with you the story of two brothers who found themselves plunged into a world of nightmares. Our world. Right now, I too am in that world and I endeavour to find answers in the wreckage. To discover a way forward. A way home. As always, I advise listener discretion going forward. Uh, uh, okay, welcome back survivors. 
It's been some time since we last spoke, and Ryan is currently on the radio with us, so I'm going to cut straight to him. Okay, you're on. Greetings, survivors. I'm glad once again to be able to communicate with you and share some more of my findings. Last time we spoke, I shared with you a story of two kind-hearted survivors who witnessed someone using a rift firsthand. I was just briefly chatting with Jess about George's thoughts on the cultist's use of the rift. It seemed almost as though she knew it was going to appear. This is both enlightening and troubling. It begs the question, if they know when they're going to appear, what else might they know? I'm... I'm doing something which you're not going to be happy with, Jason. Well, rightly so. I'm looking for one of their camps. The ones we've taken to calling cultists. I don't wish to interact with them, but I wonder if I can observe them to gain some more knowledge. Perhaps hear a conversation or two that will go somewhere towards answering my, well, our questions. In fact, I think I might have already found one. I'm a ways out yet, but I saw something in a nearby residential area. I drove past it a few times when I used to work at Ralford, so I know my way around the roads. I think I could sneak near there without them spotting me. There's a sort of grassy wasteland on the opposite side to where I am. The ground undulates a lot from some old mining activities, and I think I could use it to my advantage when approaching. Ryan, stop there. You can't be serious. We need you in one piece, Ryan. We need you safe. Don't put yourself in danger, please. It's not worth it. It is, Jess. It has to be done. The greatest discoveries have the greatest risks. I can't sit idly by anymore and keep expecting the information to come to us. If everything that Naya has suggested even has an inkling of truth, then we have to take every opportunity we have, no matter the risk. I'm going to come off the radio now. I don't want to delay any longer. It looked quiet before, and I'd like to get in there before that changes. For goodness sake, Ryan. Be careful, alright? I will. Ryan out. I'm so sorry. This isn't looking good, survivors. Oh, okay, well, I suppose while we wait for Ryan, I could get George to share his recent, um, discovery with you. It's, um, yeah, I'm just gonna go get him. So he's just heading to one of their camps. Bloody hell. Guy's a lunatic. Ah, that's still on, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, so, do you want to share what you and Frankie discovered? Sure. I suppose now is as good a time as any. Okay. So as you well know, survivors, my role here at Bunker A12 is head engineer. That involves the team and I performing basic maintenance on the bunker general upkeep, that sort of thing. Occasionally that requires us to go outside the bunker, cleaning the solar panels, ensuring all of our surviving external equipment is in top condition. Of course, in a situation like this, that comes with significant risks. Now, usually, we'd be protected from the most likely risk of radiation poisoning by our breach suits. And whilst, sure, there may be some radiation out there from whatever the hell has happened, it certainly isn't the biggest concern. Therefore, we're always incredibly cautious when heading outside and only do it when absolutely necessary. I remember too vividly what happened to Matilda. 
I don't think I could ever forgive myself if anything were to happen to Frankie. However, when we ventured out a couple of days ago for necessary maintenance to the solar panels, I must admit we took some unnecessary risks and looking back, we probably shouldn't have done, but like Ryan, I'm getting sick of having such little knowledge to go off. As you already know, our breach suits have built-in recording devices. I'm going to play our most recent excursion outside A12. All clear out here, Frankie. Affirmative. Door locked and airtight again, George. Very well. Proceed to the solar array. Let's get this done quickly. As terrifying as this is, I'm always glad we at least get to see real daylight every now and again. You always have a way of looking at the brighter side of things, Frankie. I appreciate that. Oh, well, it's what gets me through, George. You know that. Wouldn't have it any other way, would we? Right. Let's work our way round from the left. You take that. What's that over there? Wait, what is that? Can you see it? Uh, just at the bottom of this verge. Oh, shit. What is that? Uh, no, no, I, I don't think it's something we need to worry about, George. But it's certainly something that wasn't there last time we came out. How can you be certain? <laughs> about what? Both. How do you know it's not a threat, and that it wasn't there before? Because I always stand in this spot. Every time we do this, I always stand here and look down into the verge. And in regards to it being a threat, well... I I'll be honest, I don't know... But it's certainly not going anywhere, is it? Fine. Let's take a look. But slowly, approach with extreme caution. Affirmative. Plants, Frankie. Weird looking, but plants for sure. Why have they grown there, specifically? Ah, uh, hold up. Uh, I see something in the center of them. Holy shit, George, that's a pair of hands. Freaking skeletal hands. Oh, don't, don't mess about with me. I, I'm not. How could I? Not after what happened before, not out here. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus, you weren't kidding. Are they real? There's something coming out of them, or at least there was. Yeah, they're digging into the ground. Gotta get away from this right now! Did that. Did that just speak? This. Oh my god, is it talking? And yet, you're still blind. I'm only blind because you keep me in the dark. Let there be light. If you be. I think that answers your question. Uh, hello? Can you hear us? Seriously, Frankie? Yes, seriously. Come on. We, we need to... We should get the job done and head back in. And if I just wanted to end you all, then start again. Okay, that's not talking to me at all, is it? No, let's get the job done, then get back in. Let's go. We've got to do something about this, though. There's a friggin' disembodied voice coming from a pair of hands in the floor. I know, I know. We can address this another time. I'd rather get the job done to keep the bunker running and investigate this more another time. Very well, Chief. Lead the way. Frankie. Okay, okay. George, then. 
Sorry, Chief. Oh, jeez, I did not expect that. Yeah, it gets worse. Well, different at least. The jury's still out on the worst part. Um, go on. So, Frankie and I headed back in after finishing the job. We didn't hear anything else from the anomaly after that. It was all quiet. Part of me started to consider it as a shared delusion. Ridiculous, I know. I just couldn't quite come to terms with a pair of skeletal hands and a disembodied voice. So we spoke about it back in the office, about what it could be, the implication, etc. It was certainly an incredible discovery and so far seemed to pose no threat to us. However, as we well know, things that are seemingly harmless at first can be catastrophically deadly. Our conversation eventually made it round to the location of the anomaly in relation to what was below it. Given that the skeletal hands were planted into the ground, we thought it wise to ensure the area of the bunker directly below it was unaffected by whatever could be hidden below the surface. Far-fetched, but worth a check, right? As we soon discovered, though, it was well worth the consideration. It's the void site, isn't it? Yeah. We're planning another excursion back there. We have to look closer at the site and take this discovery into consideration. It's a shame that we don't know whether the hands or rift appeared first, or whether they were a simultaneous occurrence. I can't believe you're going back in. What is going on? Ryan heading to a cultist camp? You and Frankie breaking the quarantine on the rift? I feel like I'm about to lose everyone I care about. I appreciate your thoughtfulness, Jess. We all do, but I'm afraid... Like Ryan said, there are just risks that need taking if we're ever going to find a way out. I'll make sure to document what happens when we head in. We're just in the process of performing some maintenance on our breach suits. Absolutely vital given the unknown spores in the air around the site. <sighs> Alright, I suppose you've got a point, but listen, be safe, please. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose anyone. I will, Jess. I will. Speak to you later. Thanks, George. Okay, survivors, before we end the broadcast, I have one last piece of information to share with you. Another resident has come forward with some information of their experiences of life before A12, and I recorded it for us to listen to. Okay, so should I start? Yeah, just say what you told me and try and be as descriptive as you can. Alright, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't come forward and say this sooner. It's been really tough to come to terms with this. You know, with everything. But I'm ready now. Don't apologize. You're not the first, and you won't be the last. We all need time. Thank you. Okay. Here it goes. We'd had a series of beautifully clear nights towards the end of August, and I remember thinking to myself at the weekend, you've got to remember to stargaze. You know? I always mean to do it. Every summer, when the skies are clear and the nights are warm. But I always forget, and it's a pain. But this time, 
Of course it was this time. I remembered. So I drove out to the nature reserve nearby, took a torch with me, and went out into the wild. I already had a spot in mind. A nice, open patch of land where I knew I'd get an incredible view. And I suppose, in the end, it was an incredible view. In its own way. At first, there was just a beautiful array of stars like a blanket of glitter. Then a couple of meteors dashed across the oily black canvas, igniting it in a burning blaze. I couldn't believe my luck. The one night I chose had an unexpected meteor shower. And then something bizarre happened. They moved, shifted and turned all of a sudden, changing direction and others winked into existence. And it was as though a fundamental piece of knowledge I had was turned on its head. Ah, just like Elliot and Roman saw in the woods when they first set out. Is that the two from the broadcast? I've... I've not listened. Yes, they saw the exact same thing as you. Meteors changing direction unexpectedly. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Still haunting, though. Everything after that night was a nightmare, until age 12, and even this is barely a step away from one. Where was I? It changed everything. I had my mini telescope with me, and I knew this would be the perfect time to really catch a detailed look at the meteor trails. And of course, perhaps getting a glimpse of a completely unheard of phenomenon. As I peered through and lined it up, I was astonished at the beauty of their burning trails. Such vibrant colors were dotted amongst them. What chemical mixture was burning away to create such a spectacle? I barely had time to maul on this question before I spotted a patch of sky that was darker than the rest. I've got no idea on what size it was. It looked as though it was out of our atmosphere, for sure. And upon further inspection, I was able to, much to my own dismay, prove that it wasn't just an optical illusion. At the edges of the thing, there was a tinge of orange that littered particles across the vastness. I'm still not sure what I saw, but I couldn't take my eyes off it. And that's when I realized it was that that was affecting the meteors, making them change. It was as though they were being pulled in, out, and toward the void in the sky. And there I was, a helpless human, with my tiny brain trying to comprehend the cosmos by sight alone. Just as I was coming to terms with the finding, unexpectedly, one of the meteors changed direction and its trail faded away. At first I thought it had just burned itself out, but then, out of the inky blackness, a molten hot rock shot past my head. I felt a blast of heat burn at my skin. I recall standing there in shock for a few long moments before even so much as twitching. But when a moment so close to death passes you by so quickly, 
It's... Well, it's life-altering. Unfortunately, that's not where it ends. For what I did next, you have to remember that none of what's going on now had really happened then. At least not to my knowledge of the masses anyway. I followed the trail of heat to the place where it landed. A nondescript patch of grass. Now with singed edges and a meter deep burning hole in it. I was always under the impression these things burned up in the atmosphere before being able to actually reach the surface. Yet, there I was, staring at a smoldering hole in the ground. I could feel the heat emanating from it, and a hint of sulfur or something similar caught at my nose. I wasn't foolish enough to go sticking my hand in there, that's for sure, but I was too curious to leave it alone. After about a minute of me glancing between the hole and the spectacular phenomenon above, I heard something scratching near my foot. Similar to the sound of an animal digging its way through soil, I turned around, expecting to see something unexpected but mundane. A rabbit that didn't realize I was there, a wandering fox, you know. But out from the depths of that burning hole reached an off-white clawing hand with three bony appendages that scratched and tore at the singed grass. Then another. And another. And another. Until four, five, six claw-like hands were pulling and tearing at the ground, edging their way further and further out. I instinctively took a step back and was immediately glad I did. A putrid stench hit the back of my throat as a milky ooze slithered its way out. The six hands protruding from it like some skeletal inverted octopus. I froze. I mean, who wouldn't? Right? And the thing started to drunkenly stagger its way out of the hole and towards me. It was... I don't know... All the words I want to use to describe it are wrong. I was transfixed, unblinking and enthralled. Then it leapt at me, and I just took too long, didn't I? Too in shock to move quick enough, and the thing leapt at me and wrapped its scratchy dry fingers around my arm. I yanked, grabbed, twisted and arced. Did everything to try and remove it. The thing seemed... Determined to find a weak spot, I could feel it trying to stab into my skin, to break it. It all seemed futile, but I knew it was just a matter of time until it broke the skin. Each red mark it left worse than the last as it teased and tested. I ran across the rock where my bag was resting, and didn't hesitate to slam my arm repeatedly into it. I really didn't like hurting things, but... I don't think I need to explain why I did it. After several solid impacts into the stone, the thing finally relented and I was able to prize it from my arm. It was far from done, though, as I threw it to the ground in a fit of fear and anger. Turning to run as fast as I could, I saw it leap immediately to action more and begin its drunken stagger after me. 
It seemed as though with every moment it grew larger and became more. I don't know. Precise in form? Like when the optician flicks through the lenses and the letters blur until you find the one that makes it clearest. That's what it felt like. Every time I looked back, it was as though the creature had shifted, altered. After running for a few minutes, I could see where I'd parked my car and started to fumble for my keys. There was enough distance between us now and I felt hopeful I could get it started before it reached me. As I bolted between the alleyway that acted as a threshold between the reserve and a built-up area, a dog barked loudly at me and nearly sent me careening into a wall as I turned to see what it was. I just managed to keep my footing and dodge the wall, using it to push myself towards the car. I remember slamming my keys into the lock, wishing I didn't have such an old car to need a physical key. Launching myself into the driver's seat, I dared to take a glance back down the alleyway. As I turned the key into the ignition, it wasn't behind me anymore. Not immediately, anyway. As my eyes adjusted to see from the dim light of the street to the even dark light of the alleyway, I heard a dog yelp and whimper and knew without a doubt what was happening. It sickens me that that had to happen. But I think, really, it's what saved me. I drove off into the night then and just kept going for hours. I was in such a state of shock, I don't even recall exactly where I drove to. Only that I arrived home many hours later than I should have. I slept in my car that night. Not intentionally, but I did. The next day, I woke up to that fateful text. You know the one. And so now I'm here, telling you this. And if it's alright with you, I think I'd like some space now. Some time to calm down. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you for sharing your story. Truly, it means a lot to many people out there. Remember, we're all in this together now, and that's all that matters. Sure. Thank you. I'll speak to you later, Jess. <sighs> a harrowing story for certain... I wonder just how many more of these stories there are spread across the UK, even the world, and how many countless others can no longer tell their stories. Oh, it's, it's, well, it's difficult to comprehend to say the least. I think we'll leave it there for today. I'm sure I'll be back soon with news from Professor Ryan and his, well, risk-taking endeavours. My friends, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast from A12. I hope you're somewhere safe and warm, and remember, as always, don't wander in the dark. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more news and updates, follow us on social media at Wake of Corrosion. You can also support the show 
via our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash week of corrosion. Joining at any tier will get you access to all future episodes one week early. Thank you so much to our generous Patreon subscribers who have helped me to continue making and improving the show. Indicate, Laurel, Austin, Nath, Paul, Trace, AJ Punkin, Twiglets, Martina, Finney, Grumpy Coy, Maddie, Cold K, PJ, Return Descender, and MJ Van Steenberg. Thank you all so much. Wake of Corrosion was written, directed, and produced by Sean Pellington and is part of the Rusty Quill Network. With voice acting from Kieran Walsh as Professor Ryan, Lee Pellington as Roman, Adele Cliff as Jess, Phil Jankowskis as George, Jess Siren as Frankie, Vincent C. Davis as Unknown Survivor. Intro theme, Phantasm, and outro theme, Shadowlands 5 Antichamber, were created by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. Both pieces are reduced from their originals with fade-out effects, character voiceover, and radiostatic effects. Morse code SFX from morsecode.world, courtesy of Stephen C. Phillips. Full credits and transcripts can be found at wakeofcorrosion.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, don't wander in the dark.